welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 64. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This week's episode is brought to you by V8 Energy, uh, Strawberry Banana. Uh, no, they did not sponsor me, but I just really like their little um, energy in a can. So, And this one that I'm holding is specifically special because it came from a pack that came from Kroger that came from a very awkward encounter. <laughs> so my wife sends me into Kroger when we're running low on just kind of the essential things. And, um, and so while I'm in there, though, sometimes I... I try and get a few things that I just enjoy eating or enjoy drinking. And one of these things is a V8 energy drink. And so uh, Kroger was packed on this particular day last week. And I really am trying to keep my distance at least six feet, if not more, from people. And apparently not everybody in Kroger has that same type of uh, commitment. Um, and so I go into the juice aisle where these things are, and there's a guy standing right in front of these V8s. And so I passed him. Kind of, I, I found myself holding my breath. I don't have you done that. Like you hold your breath as you pass somebody, um, thinking maybe that might help the airborne virus. If I, I don't know that that helps. I don't have any masks um, yet. I should get some. But anyhow, I pass this guy and I wait and I pretend like I'm looking at something, you know, about six feet down the aisle. But really, all I want in that aisle is the V8 energy. And so he finally makes his move after what seemed like a minute. He makes his move to get whatever's on the opposite aisle or the, the opposite side of the V8s. And so I, I rush over real quick, and I try and sneak in, and I try and grab it. Well, he starts to back up toward his cart, and we, we definitely breach the 6 feet, 5 feet, 4 feet, then 3 feet. And I realize this guy doesn't even see me, and so I'm, like, right behind him. And it's just kind of this really awkward moment whenever he sees me, and I'm, like, extending, like, reaching out, like, trying to get – this is not how you normally shop, right? <laughs> like, try – it's obvious that I'm trying not to come in contact with this guy. And I'm like, oh, sorry, man. But I, I got my V8 energy and a little splash of Corona on the side. Uh, there's your joke for the day. But anyway, no. Um, so I hope that you guys are doing well. We're not going to talk about coronavirus today. Today is about hunting and hunting stories. Um, I won that recurve bow a few weeks ago, and I have absolutely loved shooting it. Um, my, my excuse for shooting, for not ever thinking about it in the past, was time. Just didn't feel like I had the time to shoot. And I tell you, I... I've had all the time in the world the last few weeks to be able to do these type of things, and I love shooting it. I am planning on going after turkeys with it, and I cannot wait for April 20th. That's the Ohio opener, and we'll see what happens. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to pull it off, but I'm just going to have fun trying. So looking forward to that. That kind of leads into today's guest. Um, one of the things that I realized I needed was a quiver. If you're going to have you know pointy objects with you, you probably have something to stick them in. So did my homework, got the research, and my buddy Trav also recommended uh, what's known as a Selway quiver. And Selway is this family-owned company. And I got on the phone to order my quiver and got a hold of this guy named Drew. And Drew is just a super nice guy, um, just great. We, we ended up talking on the phone for 15 minutes, telling stories. Uh, he was excited to hear that I'd gotten into trad hunting and um, just a real nice guy. And I asked him to come on the podcast, and he agreed, and, and here we are. So today's guest is Drew Kohlhofer. He is one of the owners of Selway Archery, and he is a super nice guy. Today we talk turkey hunting, we talk trad 
rad bows. We talk compound bows. We talk gun hunting. We talk uh, all kinds of things. We also get into uh, elk hunting at the end, and he's got a couple really awesome stories. So we're going to jump right in. Here's Drew. All right, guys, I have Drew Kohlhofer on the line. Drew, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing, man? I'm uh, doing pretty good. What are you into today? Uh, just uh, getting some quivers built. Uh, did a little turkey scouting this morning. And, uh, yeah, just kind of navigating these uncharted waters, taking it day by day. Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a. I don't know that I've ever experienced. I don't know anybody's. I was talking to my grandpa earlier today, and he's like, "I've never experienced anything like this." It's just a weird season of life, but it's it's got its ups and downs. So, how's the turkey scouting going? Oh, really good. I I'm on. I got sev- several uh, potential options for opening morning. Mm, that's always good to have a few things up your sleeve. Yes. Yes, and the birds are. Uh, there's, yeah, they're just starting to kind of bust up around here uh, in Southeast. Yeah. So, uh, you're in Southeast Michigan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, what you do, if you grew up there and, uh, we'll jump into hunting here in a minute, but just kind of want to get a little profile of who you are in case guys don't know you. Uh, it's Drew Kohlhofer and, uh, 31, be 32 in June this year. Uh, it's been uh, I've been obsessed with being outside since I can ever remember. Um, been raised in the hunting, hunting and fishing, and that's I mean that's my some of my first memories are out on the boat with Grandpa and my and my dad and my my uncles, and then uh, spring turkey hunting at four years old with Dad, and yeah, it's kind of been off to the races. Dad says he created a monster <laughs> um, when he when it comes to that, but. Cause I, it's like every sport I ever played in high school or throughout, you know, I played hockey, I wrestled, I played football, basketball. I did them all for a short amount of time. Cause I, event, at some point in time, they all interfered with hunting and I couldn't have that. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, so I've been doing this my whole entire life. I'd side here, man, it's like, well, why do you hunt? I hear that question often. And it's like, well, I, I don't know if I could really give you a good solid answer to that because I don't know anything different. And yeah. um, I am married, and I have three beautiful children. And uh, yeah, it's I got seven, or I'm sorry, a nine, four, and soon to be two year old, and a daughter and two boys. And yeah, they're being brought up same way I was outside, yeah. uh, shooting BB guns, shooting our bows. Uh, digging up worms, whatever, just, you know, I'm trying to bring them up the same way that I was. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but this whole, um, you know, virus thing, we've been outside way more than what we usually are. Like we're already, we go outside a lot, but it just seems like <laughs> we, we have to get out of the house. Like for, I, you know, with my daughters, it's, we just love being outside. We're, we're spending hours every day, just kind of getting out and getting fresh air. Oh uh, yeah. There's, well, there's nothing better for it. The soul, I think I, go outside, kick your shoes off, run around bare feet. It's nothing better than that, in my opinion, especially yeah. for the kids. You know, I see these kids scooped up all the time. It's like, you, they go stir crazy. It's no wonder. If, I mean, yeah. there's no wonder there's people who think there's kids that have behavior problems. I wonder if they just got outside more Would that correct some of it, you know? Yeah, that's true. So you, um, uh, we, we got on the phone there, uh, ordered a quiver from Selway. So tell us a little bit about your, uh, connection to Selway and, and how you got yeah. started making quivers and doing all that fun stuff. Yeah. So 
like I said, I grew up around this and dad and I and my uncle, we would go to, and some of our friends, we would go to um, these get big gatherings, uh, the tr- you know, big, I mean, thousands of traditional archers getting together. There's a lot of vendors there and camping out and just having a good time shooting bows and just being around like-minded folks. Well, I, we were doing that. I think, I don't know. I learned how to ride a bike at one of them when I was five. So we've been doing it a long time and dad and, and them and made some really good friends with Gordy Mickens, the guy, guy that uh, originally started Southway Archery. And dad and him started hunting elk together. And just over the years, I mean, it's Gordy's like family. It's not even, you know, not even a friendship anymore. You know, we go out elk hunting with him every year. But, um, but yeah, so kind of I've come up through high school and everything and got into the trades. I've been an iron worker for going on 12 years this, this year. And the opportunity had come up to purchase Selway. Gordy's like, I'm getting out. And um, he knew that I would have a huge interest in it. And, came, you know, dad and I talked about it, got the families together. And uh, we ended up purchasing the company. We've had it since 15, uh, December of 2015, I think. Yeah. So for the last, you know, four and a half years, we've been going strong with that. I'm actually, for the most part now, doing Selway full time. I'll go back, you know, a couple times a year. And uh, I still keep my book up. And everything with the iron workers and you know just to have that that fallback plan if uh, anything was to ever go awry but yeah it's it's really good i get to spend a lot of time at home uh with the kids working from working from home in the shop and i uh, feeling pretty blessed yeah i i am uh, new to to trad and to uh, you know recurve and that kind of thing i got one about uh, was was about two weeks before this Corona thing hit, I got a recurve, my buddy got it set up. And so I've been shooting like crazy. And, um, I was talking to him about quivers and all that. And he's like, dude, without a, without a doubt, the best is Selway. And so, um, that's how you and I got connected and I'm, I'm excited uh, to get my, my quiver and all that. Um, you know, and I think what, I think what people are liking about what you guys do from what I've read online is just the quality. There's a lot of quality in what you guys make that people really appreciate. Yeah, we, I mean, it's cause I look at it like this it's kind of my philosophy on business and maybe it's not the most efficient way to make money, but I, I just believe in taking care of people the way I would want them to take care of me. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, providing somebody with a quality product that you can stand behind um, you know, there's something, something to be said for that. And I, you'll find that in a lot with, uh, within the traditional community. Most, most of the companies are, everybody's pretty stand up when it comes to, uh, dealing with customers and providing a good quality product and, you know, making sure that, you know, everybody's, you know, well taken care of and happy. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do, do what I'm doing right now without you guys. So I, you know, super thankful and thanks, you know, for the kind words. Yeah, and I, I just noticed too, what's really cool for anybody that's in the trad hunting is I, I noticed that you guys have the custom engraving uh, for new quivers. And I mean, that's really cool. I think my buddy actually got our, our hunting logo put on his. And I'm like, man, that's just really kind of neat uh, service. I, I don't see anybody doing anything like that. That's really neat. Yeah, it's, there's a couple folks out doing it now. But yeah, it's, it's just like I've some of the favorite ones that we've had. We've Like I just did one. Uh, for a gentleman, his five-year-old drew him a picture of an elk. It's like a stick figure elk. Yeah. And we 
put it on a quiver for him. You know, oh, that's sweet. That's cool. Well, uh, Drew, I wanted to hop into, um, you know, some of your hunting stories, your hunting experiences. And so I thought maybe we could start with turkeys and then kind of go from there since that's what's coming up. Uh, you, Michigan comes in, I think you said April 18th, right? And then Ohio's in, um, you know, April 20th and a lot of the Southern states have already started, but let's talk turkeys for a little bit. So, um, you mentioned being four years old and your dad taking out turkey hunting. Do, do you remember, uh, any of those early hunts, like anything stand out to you about way back when you started? Oh yeah. It's like, those are some of those that's just done. They're ingrained. Um, I've, I love hunting, but turkey hunting. Yeah. So I love hunting as a whole, but turkey hunting, Man, there's just something, something about it that I just, I, it's hard to put into words. Like I said, the springtime, the kind of the world's waking up in the morning. You got that Tom firing off the roost. There's, you know, it's just something, there's something about spring turkey woods. And yeah, I can, you know, think back to the days we were hunting in Northern Michigan and uh, the yeah, that first year we went up, I remember the car right up. Dad actually got pulled over, got a speeding ticket. Um, I remember just a little <laughs> detail about that whole trip. Um, and he was driving, uh, I think his, he had an 88 uh, K5 Blazer at the time. And, but, yeah, so, we, you know, we take off. And the first morning we go out and uh, birds flew down, got with the hens. Kind of that morning was washed. Spent the next day, the, the rest of that day. Um, doing some blind calling setup and that's my dad's he does he'll run and gun for turkeys if he has to but he's this really efficient turkey hunter he'll just go go get into a place where you know find some good scratch and just set up and he'll sit there all day if he has to and just blind call and more often than not he's killing birds doing it um i don't have the patience that he does oh man but, but yeah and i couldn't even imagine taking what <clears throat> what a four-year-old me taking the taking me out was was like at the time but yeah it's we went out that afternoon did some scouting got on some birds that following morning um his group of jakes came in and we were set up in this little depression and they come down this this the old logging road and it's like now as soon as i spotted them pop out i was like dad here they come because he was looking somewhere else had the decoy spread all set up behind us and and they came in to like 15 yards and dad ended up shooting shooting one of the jakes and i just uh, yeah it's i got pictures of it on my wall, you know, me holding up the fan and just, yeah, that kind of started everything for me with turkeys is, and then it was off to the races and spending, I think start my first year actually hunting because Ohio, I couldn't hunt Michigan until I was 12. So we did most of our hunting in Ohio when I was growing up. Cause as long as I passed my hunter safety course and I did that at nine, um, we were off to the races, turkey hunting. And just some of those early. And there was that one thing I will say, that and i don't know maybe there's something to it but we had a lot of failures yeah oh uh, just getting our butts handed to us growing up but dad never never took it easy on me and it was maybe that has something to do with why i am the way that i am about it just relentless in my passion for for the outdoors uh, but yeah it's we had a lot of failures no no like i don't know what you want to call it, spoon-fed opportunities type of a thing it was you know we worked hard we hunted a ton of public ground and just, yeah, that, those, those are some of my fondest memories my, of my life, you know, outside of my children, you know, yeah. coming in, into the world just cause that's, you know, running around with dad. I was very, very privileged to have the dad that I did is, you know, 
we were out taking me with him all the time. I mean, every, pretty much every time he went out, I was on his head. Mm. And does yeah, there was one. <laughs> we had this group of toms come in, and then they shut up and circled around behind us. We were hunting on a it was a youth draw hunt up here in Northwest Ohio. They have it's called Lake Lasuan, and it's a youth only deal. They still run it to this day. Um, so it's it's a limited opportunity hunt you get a week to go in there and so <laughs> we went in there and it was like like if you could go in there and hunt now knowing what i know now it was like one of the best places probably one of the better spots to hunt turkeys in the state and um we slipped in there we ended up, I ended up killing a bird on that hunt but we had this group of toms come in behind us and i got antsy and i remember dad getting real <laughs> mad at me because i kind of blew the opportunity they had shut up and dad's like we need to hold tight i know exactly what i've played this game before i know exactly what's gonna happen and i you know i nine years old my head's on a uh, like a telescope i'm out you know bebopping around looking constantly move you know moving way too fast yeah and yeah i ended up blowing up blowing the gig but yeah it's, i just yeah those early getting out turkey hunting with dad those times you know before i could start driving and then just going that was like when, when I got my driver's license, it was on, <laughs> you know, because yeah, I could go anytime I, I want. But yeah. I can't imagine what I would have done had I, like, I didn't get into turkey hunting until about six years ago. So, and I'm, I'm pretty well ate up with it now. And so I can't imagine <laughs> what that would have done to my schooling and everything else had I got into it um, back then. <laughs> um, you know, you, you mentioned the failures, and I think that that's something that's, that's huge. I mean, so often, guys, we we listen to podcasts or we read things. We want success. Um, But honestly, I think the thing that's taught me the most about how to be successful at turkey hunting is getting my butt whooped. (laughs) Like all those times that I – and it happens every year. I'll bump a bird. I won't be patient. um, Or I'll just do something stupid and something – but I think those are the – that's what really makes you a better hunter is actually those mistakes that you make. You learn – hopefully you learn from those mistakes as you go, right? Well, you know, I'm, and I'm not going to be one to say that I will, I love it when they come easy <laughs> because oh, yeah. I for all the times that it was really tough and I ate tag soup or whatever, um, but, you know, that's just making up for those times. And I, but there's something to be said it certainly means more like you get off in the morning and you, you head out and you get a Tom fired up and he's hammering on the roost and you think, okay. Like this is happening. It's this is you know game set match. So he's gonna fly down, and then the next thing you know, you hear you know that nasty boss hen start chirping <laughs> off in the woods, and you know at that point in time that the game is pretty much over. Unless yeah. you can get her, you can get her to come in. You're gonna have a hard time calling that time in, and that's so. So he flies down, he goes off, and you know he makes you work for it, and then you finally get hooked up with him, and then it's like eleven thirty, quitting times at noon, and you finally get him to break away, and he's coming, and it's getting down to the wire, and you pull it off. Like that means so much more than than the hunt where he flies down off the roost, hits the decoys, and it's over. You know, yeah. I've always talked about you know the the how, not the why. You know, mm-hmm. kind of a thing like. Where, you know, how it happens means more than that's why I hunt the stick bow because yeah. I, I want it to, you know, I don't want, I don't need, like, yeah. And I don't think, yeah, I don't need that, that success. Right. I know yeah. I hunt because the, I enjoy being in the woods and <laughs> let's be honest, you know, when you got to get within, you know, 20 yards of an animal, there's, you know, you got to get out more and 
that's, I would say that's probably one of the biggest reasons other than it just was my upbringing. If I had to really think about it, and I, and I did hunt with the compound for, for a few years. I was going to ask you that what, you know, if, if you've always been trad or if you, you, you know, tried compound or any of those other things. Yeah. So I had, so, so, you know, supposed to talk about hunting stories. I got a, I got a pretty good one that led me into compound. Um, and so I went out with my uncle. I think I was 14 at the time, 13 or 14. I, I had just killed my first deer in 2000 when I was 12 with my longbow. So I had been successful, but since then I had a pile of misses and we're out there, we're out this, you know, just shooting right over the back, forgetting to pick a spot, getting super excited. And we're sitting in the stand. That's like, I don't know, probably the first week of November. So it's, you know, things are starting to get cranked up. And this little basket eight point comes in. I mean, it's a perfect deal. My uncle actually grunted him. He was walking away from us and turned him and grunted him in. <laughs> perfect shot opportunity six yards right underneath the tree and i shoot right over his back well mm-hmm. he takes like two steps and he's like, what was that so i heard him knock another arrow shot right over his back again <laughs> and then he takes off running my uncle grunts him back in and he's like 15 yards at this time in the third arrow and i shot when and when i shot i hit the tree like three feet in front of me i was so excited just I, you know i was out of my wits my uncle's like okay we're done and we went back to his house <laughs> and he set me up with his, uh, I think it was a Matthews SQ2 yeah. at the time. And we went out that next weekend. It was like, I think it was, it was the weekend before gun season. We went out and I had shot this thing like a total of, I don't know, five, six times. It wasn't much. So we got it, got it sighted in, got the single pin adjusted and all that stuff and poundage backed off. Cause I could shoot 50 pounds with my longbow at the time, but to pull like 55 pounds to count. It was just a weird muscle group that I had never used before. So we had to back the poundage way off and went out that weekend before gun season in Ohio. And I ended up shooting a button bucket like 30 yards. And that was kind of off the race for me. I got, uh, I got a Hoyt ultra tech after that. And I went on a pretty good tear with that thing for probably about five years. And then just one day I'm like, I gotta get back in this. I gotta get back in hunting my longbow and picked it up and kind of been. I haven't touched compound since, and that was, I don't know, probably 2010. I think is when I switched back. And yeah, so for the last. You mentioned this before. It's not about the the why, but the how, or maybe the other way. How do you say that? Yeah, it's the how, not the. the Yeah, I don't. The how for me. Yeah, yeah. How do I get? Do you think that maybe you switching back was partly because you kind of had a few under your belt? Like, I feel like, um, this has kind of been my thinking. I've never considered shooting trad until I won that trad bow. Um, just because I thought, you know, I still, I'm still kind of cutting my teeth a little bit. I mean, I've had some experiences. I've killed a couple bucks now. This past year I killed my biggest buck and he's no like giant, but for me it was a really good deer and really rewarding. And so I feel like I kind of where my head's at now hunting deer with trad this year is my plan. Um, I'm kind of like, you know what? I, I know I don't have like a booner on the wall, but I'm okay with where I'm at. Like I've kind of accomplished what I wanted to with a compound, not to say that I won't go back or even use it some this year, but I'm, I'm pretty well, like I'm kind of satisfied with where I went and now I'm like, now I can kind of start with something new, kind of get in a little bit closer. I don't know. Did that have any effect on you? You think like you had, you said you had a few years where you kind of tore it up there. Um, or 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mean to be you know sound like being cavalier as a hunter, but like I think it took me doing that to develop that killer instinct. If that yeah. makes any sense, and I know there's a lot of guys that that I don't know some people would frown on that, but when it comes time. It's a pretty serious moment when it comes time to put an arrow into an animal. I think you need to have something in you where, where you can kind of block everything else out. And like, okay, this is not a, not to say it's not a big deal, but you could just calm yourself, so you can make a good, you know, real good shot. And it took me a long time to, and that was what I was doing. I just was, I was so worked up. I was just missing. I was just shooting over the top, forgetting to pick a spot, forgetting my process. And if you have a process in your shooting, that'll the, the information that's out now, I wish I would have had. I, I probably would have came back to my, my longbow sooner. Um, but I just started asking questions, talking to guys that were really good killers with their uh, stick bows. And they all kind of had that same thing in common. They all just kind of had that process. They talked, they could talk themselves down, you know, you know, to make the shot. And that's what it took for me with the compound was going out and, you know, having that success that, you know, that because the compound has that kind of built-in process with it. You got to find your people up around your housing and, you know, it, there's some things in there that can kind of help mitigate some of the nerves, if, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so that I think, but yes, to answer your question when it was, as far as like, yeah, I just got, I didn't get bored, but I wanted something else. I wanted to go back to that challenge. I was watching my dad, you know, and some of my other buddies hunting with theirs. And it's like, I need to get back to doing that. And, you know, that's how I was raised. Come my first year with one and need to get back to doing it. And yeah, so, and here we are. And it's, it's still, even after, you know, when I picked it back up, it still took me some time to, you know, really get into a groove and, you know, knock on wood. I had a pretty good, pretty good run here recently. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely get that. Um, now, I'm curious, since we're talking a little bit more about turkeys, uh, what's your experience? Like, have you have you killed, I'm assuming you've killed a turkey with a trad bow? Yes, I've killed several. Um, All right. I want, I want to jump into that because I'm, I'm, so I feel like I'm out of my mind for trying this because, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never killed a turkey without like, you know, uh, some, some shot shell and a shotgun. Like, so I was thinking about going to compound this year and going after turkeys, uh, but I've decided, you know what, I've been shooting this, this recurve. I'm having fun. I might as well just go all in and, and try with a recurve. So I want to hear how you've done this and I want to hear maybe some of your favorite, uh, stories with a trad bow on turkeys. Yeah. So man, I, you're, you're going to laugh and you're going to call me a liar, but my success rate with my bow is significantly higher than it is with my shotgun. Really? I attribute that to one thing, the blind. Yeah. The blind makes me patient. It forces me when I, instead of grab, uh, getting up and grabbing all this gear and moving, it forces me to hold, to stay put. And I, I think that, like I said, I think that'd be the number one contributing reason why I am more successful with my longbow out of the blind. You know, it's because of the blind, but uh, decoy setup is key. I think, I think it's key. I think get yourself into a place where birds can see the blind and see the decoys from a good, from a decent distance. Uh, But the decoy placement, I, I run, uh, I think Hazel Creek taxidermy put out a thing online. It's called like the love triangle. Um, you just, you know, you got to get kind of posturing Jake with a, like a breeding type hen and then, uh, kind of an upright hen off to the side. And it's just, it's deadly. And I put the decoys 
at four yards. I'll take four steps away from the blind, put the decoys on, put it, bring them in as tight, as close as you want. Cause they will come. And that's <laughs> you. So if you can shoot 10 yards, put the decoys at five. I mean, it's, they're going to, they're going to come into it. It's pretty, pretty crazy how well they, they react to them. And that's, I, I did spend the extra money. I got some, the avian decoys and then I got a, a Dakota Jake that I use. And I think that comes when I ditched the feather flexes and went to the better, the better looking decoys, that's really helped with the success bow hunting. Um, but so my, I'll tell you, uh, like my first Turkey with a bow, we just went in to a, to a place where we had worked birds in the past. Went in, it was dad and I, the birds just, they were hand up at the time. It was, it was tough hunting. So we just went, went back into this, this spot where we knew they were frequent and set the blind up. And I think dad actually sat down to take a nap. It was like, it was mid morning, like 10 o'clock. And yeah, so I just start every, you know, 20 minutes hitting the call and I don't know, about an hour and a half goes by and I look up bird, never made a peep or anything at 50 yards. He's strutting and he's coming in hard and I'm like, dad, 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 wake up bird coming. And it's like on a string, he comes straight into them decoys. And I had, I hadn't learned to put the decoys super close at that time. And I think, I think I had him at like 15 yards and yeah, he came in and he, you know, was posturing with the Jake decoy and gave me a shot. And I, you know, I shot him right through the back and he hit the dirt and kind of took off, you know, tried to take off flop and run. And I, you know, I was able to get on him, but that was my first one. And that's, that bird never made a peep. Didn't care about the blind being in there. Didn't, I mean, it didn't bother him one bit. <laughs> and I mean, the one I, the last one I killed with my bow, cause I, I, last year I went back to hunt with the shotgun because I do really enjoy turkey hunting with the shotgun. It's just, you don't have to carry the blind. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I really enjoy it, but the last one I killed with my bow, that was a uh, same kind of a deal. I was set up on a roost tree, had done a ton of scouting. And that would be the one thing that like, if I could give somebody a really good tip, if you can scout, it's just like with anything else. Um, the more you scout, the more, you know, turkeys patterns and habits and stuff, the uh, more likely you are to be successful. And that I knew what these birds were doing. I've been watching because this was at a spot just on the road from my house. So I was able to scout it every single day from the road with the binos. And yeah, it just set up in the morning, birds in the decoys coming on a string. That year we killed three birds off that same field um, between my dad, my wife and I. And it was, I mean, same decoy setup, same spread, everything. <laughs> they, they, For whatever reason, it was a really hot field that, that year. But yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I, I love it whenever. That, like, yeah. So. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was done. No, I was just going to, I mean, I think what you just said was, was huge. I found for me, most of my success has come with a, a decoy. What was, uh, where do you say that link was? I kind of want to, I'll drop that for the guys. If, um, I can look it up real quick. What was the place where you said love triangle? I don't want to search for that. That might give me something I don't want. Right. No, it's a <laughs> Hazel Creek taxidermy. They have a big, like de- different decoys, um, kind of diagrams on there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check that out, and if I find it, um, we'll go ahead and drop that in the link if guys want to know, because I think, um, I, I think that that is huge. Oh, I see it now. Yeah, I got it right here actually. Um, you know, knowing how to set your decoys—that's something for a lot of guys that are new. I mean, I didn't know what to do. I still sometimes like, like how far out do I put them, and and in what way. But I, decoys, man, they help so much. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I picked up though that little tip from my buddy. His name's Kurt Cabrera. He's done. He he's pretty well involved in the uh, traditional bow hunting community, and he's a he's a killer <laughs> with the on the turkeys with his bow. And I got a lot of those tips from him. So I don't like to take credit for any of that stuff. <laughs> I learned I learned it from somebody who also had been through the trials and tribulations themselves. Now, have you tried going after turkeys with your with your trad bow? without a blind have you uh, attempted that yes i have and i didn't i never approached it any differently than i would with then hunt with my shotgun okay um i talked to a couple of old timers that that were pretty pretty good at getting her done without the without the blind and the common theme amongst all them is you want to set up with your back to the bird so if i was going to pursue turkeys without a blind using my bow if I got the bird to gobble or something and he's, uh, you know, and I would obviously try and set up in the timber or on a field edge, if you could do build, you know, like a brush blind or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I would put my back to the bird, you know, get a big tree to break up your outline and then try and call the Turkey past you, like okay. put your decoys up where he can come walk past you. So you're shooting when, so you can get drawn on him when he's looking the opposite direction. Gotcha. That's, that's kind of how they all played it. The guys that I've talked to in the past um, that were successful doing it. And that's, uh, I mean, it makes sense on paper. Yeah. I'd never consider that. That's because that's, I'm planning on doing it without, a, I mean, I have a little like uh, ground blind that I made with sticks and stuff with my family the other day, <laughs> but I was planning on not being in a blind. Um, I hadn't thought of that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then me... once, I mean, if you want them close, put the decoys close. Yeah. I want to, what is, if you can think of maybe your top, if you had like your top turkey story, uh, is there any that just stand out to you as being like, this is definitely my favorite uh, turkey hunting story that I have? Oh, yeah. Um, There was, we were hunting uh, in uh, southeast Ohio. Well, I say it's not really southeast over by uh, like Dillon State Park, Zanesville, Licking County, Muskegon County. And a friend of ours had a private farm there that we were hunting on and these birds uh gave me the run around and i had to belly crawl there was a couple rises in this bean field um some elevation changes that i could it allowed me to to do some sneaking and i had to belly crawl oh i don't know a good 200 yards across this winter wheat field and it was that time of year i think it had rained the night before i was soaked <laughs> to the bone because you know how that winter wheat is that you know that time of year get you know with holding all that dew on it and it had oh, rain yeah. everything was muddy just i was trashed and so before, this was a hunt this was a great hunt because that morning i got on the ranger i threw the gun in the back of the truck and i had one of those uh waterfowl cases that i use well it's got this big long shoulder strap on the soft case well, I had thrown it in the back. Well, unbeknownst to me, the gambrel that we that we have in the barn down there, somehow it got hooked on my on the strap on my gun case. Well, I drive three miles down the road on the Ranger in the morning, get to the spot where I'm going to get out of the truck or get out of the Ranger. I'm going to start walking in. Well, I go to put my vest on and everything. I go to grab my shotgun, and it's not there. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, so I actually get back in, and you'll find, like you talk to anybody that's hunted with me enough. It's it's hilarious. Just if something can happen to me, it does. And oh, 
so anyway, so I drive back before it gets light, get the gun, the birds are already gobbling. And so I went around, I thought I made the right play. Well, I didn't, they pitched the opposite direction and they went out into the field or the other, the field that I was not anticipating them to go to, they, they went to. So I'm, you know, 50, 50 chance made the wrong call. Right. Well, yeah. And then, so I worked around and their birds were still gobbling. And I, like I said, I belly crawled out in that field and got on them and I pasted the one at, I think it was 52. It was the furthest shot I ever made on a turkey. It was like 52 yards with my uh, 870. And yeah, he fell over dead. I'm soaked to the bone. It, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was, it was a miserable hunt, but it was still an awesome hunt. Oh, uh, yeah. There's nothing like that army crawl. And like, I don't, I don't, I've never done that on deer, you know? It's like, just seems like turkeys. You know, it's just something cool about it. I don't know. That is awesome. My buddy, he calls it combat hunting. It's. <laughs> You know, yeah, we, you're not doing that on deer. I at least, I mean, when I stalk mule deer, cause we go out to Idaho every year, like I'm not, that's about the only, only time I'm, you get to play that game on deer. Cause whitetails in Ohio typically don't let you get away with too much of that stuff. No, no, they do not. I've, <laughs> I, I think that's what's, what's so appealing. You know, I know that a lot of guys will say, especially the old timers, patience killed more turkeys than anything. But for me, I mean, I have some patience and I, I have found success, but there's just, it's just neat that that is an animal that you can sometimes be aggressive with and you can get away with it. You know, you can do the army crawls, you can do the reaping, or you can do certain tactics where you can run and, and literally run and gun at them. And I think that is just what makes turkey hunting so much fun. I mean, if it was just sitting in a tree stand waiting for them to come by, I don't think I'd be that, that excited about it. Well, and that's, I think that's why that I've gotten away from bow hunting them with the blind, um, and going back to hunting them with the shotgun is cause I, yeah, I'm not as successful doing it, but I really enjoy running around like fool in the woods, um, chasing them. It's, it's too much fun. Yeah. The, the, what yeah, this reminds me, go, go ahead. Do you do something, yeah, I know. I just, you'd hear that you would hear people go, well, why would you do something that you're, you're going to be less successful at? And it's like, well, I mean, why do I hunt the stick bow? It's, you know, same deal. It's like, you know, why would you hunt off the ground rather than a tree stand or, you know, just that added level of whatever it is to make, make things tougher on yourself. I don't know why we do it, but it, it's, it's certainly enjoyable, I guess, in a weird <laughs> twisted way. Right. Yeah. I, I completely identify. I had a, I decided to run a marathon several years ago and I was telling somebody about it. And this guy, uh, he's like, why don't you just start with like a 5k or a 10k first? You know, he goes, I mean that, why would you want to do 26.2? And I guess my theory was if I'm going to do it, I might as well go all out. Right. Like if I'm going to go and force myself to do something I don't enjoy, I might as well just go crazy. <laughs> and so that's, you know, cause the reward is so much greater. Absolutely. And if I could give you or anybody listening that's thinking about getting into hunting with the stick bow, yeah, you don't have to put all of your eggs in one basket, but I bet I'd be willing to bet your learning curve is shortened if you do. Yeah. If you if you jump in headlong, you know, and really get after it, I, I, I would venture to say that you would find success quicker than if you kind of have that and I hate to say like a crutch to lean on, but if you oh and that was one thing, if you had that that compound sitting there on the shelf in the back of your mind, you know that you can always resort to it. And that's not a bad thing, but yeah. I just feel like you force yourself to do it. You'll, you'll find success faster. And like yeah. I said, I was trying, you know, there's, yeah, just real quick. I know it's kind of off topic, but if guys are really looking like you guys are so blessed, these 
you new guys getting into hunting with stick bow because there's so much amazing information out there on how to become a proficient shot fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean, I was looking up. I mean, the push, I think, uh, doesn't the push have like a course that you can take? Uh, there's also um, Joel Turner. He's got like a course, Shot IQ. So there's like, I've been looking at that stuff. There is so much good information out there on how to become like a really successful or at least a really consistent, um, you know, trad trad bow shooter. Right, that's for sure. Yeah, and I would say like from a hunting standpoint, like if you, like you hunting turkeys this year, Think about the shot that you want and try and make that happen. Hunt for the shot. Mm-hmm. I heard a guy say that before, and it's it, if you want to shoot him at ten yards, hunt for that ten yard shot yeah. rather than trying. You know, it, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a pretty good way of putting it. I, I found. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanna I wanna ask you a quick question um, because just along the lines of we talked about calling animals and the appeal of that, you mentioned earlier about elk and I'm just curious, have you had any success you know, going after elk with a trad bow? Uh, um, I, if you could call success shooting over the back of a 350 inch bull, then yes, I have. <laughs> Absolutely. I consider that success. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've gotten my teeth kicked in by elk and, Man, I there's a lot of Western guys that hate the comparison, but if you like running and gunning for turkeys, you probably you better get out west and go elk hunting uh, because agree. yeah, it, it's it's an incredible thing. I have yet to have success doing it. Um, last year we did not buy our elk tags in time, so I had to be a mule deer hunter, and I was kind of bummed about that. But yeah, no, it's I could in. So much of the hunt is is where you're at and you know what you're doing. I don't care if you kill, if you went for thirty years and never killed an elk. It getting to spend a week, ten days, two weeks in the mountains, that's good enough in itself. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Especially you know with the bulls are bugling. There's nothing like going out in the morning, steep, you know, the fog rolling up out of the canyons, and then you hear some bulls crack off. Like it's, yeah, there's nothing till you experience that. I can't really even put it into words. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I, in this past year, I was my first year uh, going with a bow, and I had that experience. I want to hear how did you get yourself into a position to shoot at one uh, that close? That, that's um, how did that work out for you? We'll add a little bonus uh, part, a story here. <laughs> uh, so that morning started off. We ride out this one ridge. We I we get a bull to we get a bull to bugle at us, and Dad and I kind of got into a little bit of a dis- an argument over how we should approach it and he him being a lot smarter than me decided <laughs> to let let me make my own mistakes right and this bull dad knew the gig if you if we were going to truly get in front of this bull we would have had to go way out of our way and go out and around because there's no way you're going and this is what i found out the hard way is you can't chase an elk, <laughs> especially downhill. And I thought I could coyote the herd and get, you know, get in on it and call the bull in. But then, you know, no, looking at it, I'm get, I have the high ground, you know, and I should have swung around. The thermals were dropping. It was just, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. I got so excited. wasn't paying attention. Well, get back up to dad. He goes, well, and I, you know, as I'm dragging my butt out of this nasty 
hole that I had just dropped into. We stopped, we had a quick little lunch, and we laughed about me being a fool. And so we take back off, and we're going to go over to this other spot. And it's this big, big, there's like three big drainages that kind of come into this confluence of this one, and it's a big basin. Well, we get over to the edge of it, and I just, I don't know, it's probably mid-morning at this point now. And I ripped a bugle, locator, bull faintly fires off. I'm like, well, we know there's one over there. Let's go get, you know, let's go get over there, you know, quite a bit closer. So we get over, make a few calls, no answer. Well, it smelt like elk in this spot. And, well, let's just back off a little bit so our scent ain't dropping down in because it could be bedded here close. And this, it was just a saddle. And so we sat down, took a nap. Ate some grub, looking at Onyx maps. All of a sudden, you know, a couple hours go by, wake up. We both wake up. I heard cows chirping, you know, mewing. And I go, damn, wake up, wake up, you know. And by this time, a storm had rolled in, and it's pea soup thick fog. You can't see 100 yards. And so I'm like, Dad, there's this finger that runs down here. He goes, let's drop down. He goes, the wind's right. We'll go get on that level and drop down. We'll get right on this. There's a bench right below us. And that's, it sounded like that's where these, these elk were headed. So we went, thought we got in front of the herd and I set up up underneath this big giant, you know, dead ponderosa and behind me, there's a drop off. So it's that perfect, it's a perfect setup unbeknownst to me. I wasn't paying too much of attention at the time, but it worked out perfect because the bull would have had Joel Turner talks about that hang up spot and I was in the hang up spot he had to come to me to see, you know, to come within ball range to see where this other bull was bugling from. So anyway, it gets set up and I just do a real short squeal bugle, sound like a herding bugle that uh, Paul Medell and Joel Turner calls it the bull calling cows bugle. Mm-hmm. And not 30 seconds later, I hear crash, crash, crash and out steps this huge six by six. And he's at 25 yards, right? I mean, on the money, he's 25 yards and he's standing there facing me. So I have no shot. I could shoot him in the chest, but there's like some brush there. It just, I'm going to wait, right? He's going to turn broadside. It's going to be good. You know, patience, patience kills the buck. Well, my dad's watching this off about 50 yards up the hill and he cow calls because he thinks the bull, the bull's looking through me. He has no idea I'm there, but dad thinks he's on. me. So dad cow calls. Well, when he cow calls, the bull turns and as he's turning, he just screams. And so up until this point, I'm, doing pretty good at holding my composure together well when he screamed and bugled in my face he did that as he's turning broadside and i'm coming to full draw i just fell two pieces and i sent that arrow flying right over the top of his back oh man he took off running and you know into the timber he went we regrouped dad laughed at me because i had given him a hard time about missing bulls in the past and so we go back up in the saddle. It was an absolutely amazing evening. We get back up, we regroup because like he didn't know what was going on. The wind was perfect. The cows didn't smell us. We're just gonna hang out here. We're still in the thick of it. Well, we, we as we're dropping down into the saddle, I just gave a couple of real short, you know, soft cow calls, and all of a sudden, another big, totally different bull comes charging up out of the bottom of the saddle, eighteen yards, stops perfect, right behind a tree. The only tree between him and I, he stops behind. And I'm sitting there at full draw, just trembling, shaking, waiting for him to take one more step. And another uh, spike come up behind us. And 
blew the gig up and, you know, barked and, you know, they all took off running, but it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> it was an incredible, oh, like, couple hours period there. That's awesome, man. <laughs> and even that, like, I, you know, guys on here have heard my story before, but I called, the cow called my way into a, a herd bull. Now, I never laid eyes on him. I had seven cows between me and him. But just even that experience, like, I replay it so many times in my mind, you know, not even the whole what would I have done differently. I know what I would have done differently, but just there's something uh, like sitting in a stand all, all year long waiting for a whitetail to come by and they come by and you, and you get your chance. That's awesome. But it's, there's, there's something different about calling your way into an animal, like a turkey or, you know, uh, like, you know, like you said, the, the elk, that is just an incredibly cool feeling to know that you, you had a part in that you had a part in the calling process and you at least give yourself a chance, even, you know, even not getting the shot is still really rewarding in those situations. Oh, I'm with you hundred percent on that. It's that interaction. And I tell you what, I've had, a, I've been pretty lucky even calling whitetails. Um, I'm not afraid to get aggressive with them, you know, like a snort wheeze, especially, you know, in Ohio, we got pretty good buck to doe ratio. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of good luck, you know, maybe not necessarily killing them, but getting some pretty big bucks in close doing that it's just it adds that element that different just different element to the game that you know that interaction it's 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 a lot of fun yeah well drew i really appreciate your your time today coming on and i know that you're busy making quivers and so if guys um, are interested in uh, you guys do quivers i'm looking on your site here you got stringers Uh, i see selwayarcheryproducts.com but also you guys have instagram facebook right uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Facebook is Selway Archery. Um, Instagram is Selway underscore Archery. Um, jump on there. Check us out. If you guys got any questions, you can give us a call here at the shop. Uh, yeah. 734-856-4302. Yeah. Uh, it's either myself, Drew, my dad, Andy, or my stepmom, Debbie, that would answer the phone. Yeah, I think that's what's really cool about what you got going is that you've got a great, great product. But also, I mean, the fact that you and I, I mean, we shot the breeze and talked hunting stories, you know, and I just got on the phone with you. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's not like I'm getting like a, a call waiting service. So that's pretty neat, man. Yep. And I, I, I take a lot of pride in that. I, I, I enjoy this stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a job. I'm here making money, but it, I get to, like you called in the other day and we get to shoot the breeze about hunting and it's like. It's my favorite thing in the world. Why, you know, um, yeah, it's, I, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing I get to do. And I'm super, super thankful. And to anybody that that's helped support us, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to have you on the show. Thank you for your time today, Drew. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, man. I, I appreciate you having me on and not any other time you want to do this. I would, I would, whenever, just let me know. Absolutely. Guys, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you enjoyed that as much as what I did. I really love talking to Drew, super nice guy, down to earth, and just enjoyed hearing his hunting stories and also hearing about Selway and, and what he does there with uh, the business and the quivers. Um, and I'm excited. My quiver should be in the mail before too long, and I'm excited to get it and get rolling. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation that we had where he talked about not really focusing on the why. You know, if somebody asks you, why do you hunt? You know, that, there's probably a lot of answers to that. You know, you might hunt for the meat you might say you hunt for the thrill or maybe it's just to connect with um, god and nature or whatever it is Um, we each have different whys 
Um, but that kind of drives us into what he was talking about, focusing on how. How do we do it? And um, I do think it's important to kind of think a little bit about why, what motivates us sometimes because that does help. Uh, there's a book that Simon Sinek wrote called Start With Why and kind of his, the whole premise of the book is if sometimes we get so caught up in the how and what we're going to do and tactics or whatever you want to say and we forget kind of like what's the driving force. And I think for us, I mean, if I'm I'm just going to speak for Drew, I mean, just his passion. It's always been there, the passion to be outside, to love the outdoors. Um, and that passion has been in me and it's even grown in recent years. And that drives everything else. So you start with that. You start like, by trying to like maybe – there's times that you're driven by other things. Maybe you're driven by, I don't know, we talked about it before, maybe the, the likes that you get whenever you post a picture. I know with this recurve thing, I had to put my camera away like the first, like second week that I was shooting the, because I found myself wanting to film myself shooting. I know that sounds really vain. And it was. Like I'd want to try and, because I was shooting pretty well at 15 yards and I was kind of surprised at how I was shooting. And I liked taking videos of it, and I was going to post it on these groups. And finally, it just got in my head, and I was actually starting to shoot poorly because of it. And I had to kind of back up and ask myself, why am I shooting this trad bow? Is it so I look cool because it seems to be kind of like the cool thing to do, and I want people to be impressed that I can shoot one? Or do I want to do it because it's just purely fun, and it's it's a challenge, and, and taking an animal will be so much more rewarding because of that? And so I had to kind of step back for a second and challenge my why a little bit. And, and that's really helped me over the last couple of weeks. I've kind of, you know, I've taken some videos now to show to buddies and things like that, but it's not to brag. It's just to kind of get some advice and let them know where I'm progressing and that type of thing. Um, in life, I think you're going to find that, you know, understanding what your why is, is going to affect how you do things. Um, you guys know, uh, because I'm a Christian, sometimes I'll talk about these things. But there's just a very simple verse. I just want to point out, we'll be done. Uh, in 1 John 4:19, it just says it simply as this. We love because he first loved us. And so that's, that's talking about God. Uh, we love others because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. Um, he was the one that initiated everything, and from the get-go, God has loved us, so therefore we, we love others. And sometimes... I don't know, we can get so wrapped up in trying to help people and do different things and we get so kind of caught up and we forget, like, what's the motivator? Is it so that people like me? Do I do things to make them like me? Or do I do things because I feel obligated to? Or do I do things because I actually love these people and the reason I love them is because somebody, a creator, loved me first? Um, that, that, for me, that's what motivates me. It gives me a more pure motivation for... Uh, caring about other people, caring about my neighbors, caring about uh, people I come in contact with, people I hunt with. So it uh, might be time for us all to just kind of sit back. We've got some time to reflect. Why do you do the things that you do, and how does that affect your how, uh, the way that you go about it? Guys, I really appreciate you coming back for another episode. Um, trying to do one a week. We're sticking to that. Got another guest lined up for next week, and really hope that you'll come back for that. Thank you so much for listening, and remember to shut the light.